I told the kids in college, sometimes they, an instructor will have a blackboard behind him and a piece of chalk in his hand. And every once in a while, he, like he's going to write something and teach the whole class without ever writing anything. It just causes people to pay attention a little bit more. Now, you can see this on the screen. Doesn't mean that I'm going to talk about that. It's just to make you wonder what I'm going to say next and what it might have to do with the message today. But there is a question, and that is, is God's best good enough for you? Now, I want you to think this morning. I want you to put on your thinking cap because I got some things I want to share with you. Is God's best good enough for you? How you live your life will reveal whether you really believe that or not. So I want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of John, the Gospel of John. I want to cover a few scriptures real quickly without making any comments at all. But what I want you to do is try to figure out in your mind ahead of time. What do you think I'm going to say about this verse without me telling you? Do you ever do that? You ever try to figure out what the preacher is going to say before he says it? Or the next verse he's going to go to before he does it? I used to do that all the time. But here in the Gospel of John in chapter 3, I want you to look in verse 17. Verse 17 says, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Verse 18 he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Now turn in your Bible to the book of Philippians and chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. And this is on page 1258 in one of the church Bibles, or an old Schofield reference Bible. Philippians chapter 1 and look in verse 21. Verse 21 says this, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Now what do you think I'm going to say about that verse? Well, I'm not going to tell you yet. Look in Romans in chapter 12. Turn in your Bible to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, there's a, Another verse that I just might say something about just a little bit. But in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, it makes this statement. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Look in Proverbs chapter 18. Now, I want you to remember all these verses that I've already shared with you. That will keep me from having to go back to them if you'll just photograph those in your mind and you just remember all these verses. You can do this. I know you can. So turn now to Proverbs in chapter 18. Proverbs chapter 18. And you may wonder, what in the world does this verse have to do with anything? In chapter 18, I want you to look in verse 22. Verse 22. 
It says, Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtained a favor of the Lord. Now, we could dwell there for quite a while. But I'm not. I'm not at this moment going to tell you one thing about that verse. But believe it or not, there is some continuity to these verses. Now turn in your Bible to Ephesians in chapter 4. Because I know that you are people that can remember all of these things. You can watch a TV broadcast and tell somebody everything they said. So I'm just telling you a few things about what God says. So I know you can remember all of this. So Ephesians chapter 4, look there in verse 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Isn't that a wonderful verse? Now turn in your Bible to the book of Romans. Romans in chapter 6. We're almost through. Romans chapter 6. Look in verse 13. Verse 13 says, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Now verse 16. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. There. Now you have all the verses just about that I'm going to cover this morning. But I'm hoping that you'll pay a little bit more attention that when I refer to these verses, you'll know that, yes, I did see that in the Bible. And yes, it does say that because now we need to fly. Is God's best good enough for you? Before we get into the message, in your own mind, what is your answer? Don't say it out loud. Do you believe that God is better at designing the purpose of your life than you are? I was talking to Freddie a little bit earlier, and I says, I was at Bush Gardens yesterday with the kids, and as soon as we got in there, we saw them alligators. And buddy, they got some big, fat alligators. All they do is feed them, and they just lay around and sleep. They don't have to work for anything. They have to belong to the government. But, <laughs> but now these, these alligators, and one of them didn't even have the courtesy to look at me. I'm right there. He doesn't care that I could be a threat to his life. And I even made grunts and stuff, and it didn't move, didn't blink an eye, nothing. I thought to myself, I wonder what that alligator's thinking. And I thought, he's probably thinking, I wonder what the purpose of my life is. <laughs> now, some Christians are just like that alligator. They just enjoy life, and they don't think about, what is the purpose of my life? And then if you say, okay, I want God's will for my life, how do we even find it? So there's three important decisions that you'll make in your life that I believe are the most important decisions. One is salvation. Don't you think that trusting Christ as your Savior is one of the most important decisions you'll ever make in your life? Amen. Yeah, you believe that. Well, after you trust Christ as your Savior, the next most important decision you could ever make 
And that is to dedicate the rest of your life to the Lord. W wouldn't you agree to that? Yeah. Now, the next one you may have a little problem with. Marriage. And marrying someone else who wants to serve the Lord. If you have trusted the Lord, and if you want to dedicate your life to the Lord, then you should understand the one you marry is very important to fulfilling God's will for your life. It is so important. So therefore, I want to talk a little bit about this interesting subject. But anyway, look at number one, salvation. Trusting Christ as your Savior. Now look at this verse, John 3, 17. We read it just a moment ago. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world. Now think about this. He only had one son, and he was a missionary. One son, he was a missionary. This verse also tells you the reason why he came. Here's God that created the heavens and the earth and all the stars, everything. You and me. He had a son, and he sent him into the world, and it says, not that the world be condemned, and he come to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So being saved must be the most important thing of any individual. You'd agree with that, wouldn't you? John 3.18 says, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. So you're not waiting to be condemned someday down the road. You already are condemned because he hath not believed. Now, if there had to be more to it, then it should have said so. But it only says that he is condemned because he hath not believed. Not because he didn't serve. And this is why this statement is so important. Trusting Christ as your Savior is not a commitment to serve. It is a decision to trust. They're two different things. I trusted Christ as my Savior. I made a decision. I'm going to trust Him as my Savior so that I would be saved. Because being saved is the most important thing that can ever happen to anybody in life. If you inherited a million dollars and died and go to hell, it did not help you one iota. If you were born of rich parents in another country, think of all the things that you could have or do or be, but if you don't trust Christ as your Savior, that's the worst thing that could ever happen to you. So... I believe that it's so important that you understand. Now, service. Serving the Lord. This is why we should dedicate the rest of our life to serve the Lord. It's a decision you made. And the reason that I believe that every Christian should come to the place where he makes a definite decision. Maybe it could be something you gradually grow into doing because you heard it. So, but with me, it wasn't quite that way. Everything that seemed to happen in my life is always dynamic. But I was listening to a man by the name of Virgil Edwards one year. And it was at Northside Baptist Church. And it was about 1961, two, somewhere into there. And I don't remember what he preached on. I don't remember what the choir sung. I just know at the end of the service, I was sitting about right there. And they had everybody stand and they sung this song, I Surrender All. And I started singing it and thinking about what I was saying. I surrender all. But I never had. And that night, 
tears in my eyes, I determined I am going to serve the Lord for the rest of my life. I did not know what even that meant, but whatever it was, something's going to change. I needed something more in my life. Now, not everybody makes the same decision the same way at the same time, but there ought to be something that God has done for you that has so impressed you that you want to serve Him. Now, nobody can make you do this because this is an inside job. It's something that's on the inside of you that says, I want to please God. I want to know Him in a greater way. I want to walk with God. But you see, the most important decision is you've got to be saved first. You've got to trust Christ as your Savior. Become a child of God. This is why Paul made this statement, for me to live is football. Now, you'd be surprised how many people that's what they live for. How many people? For me to live is girls or boys. Today, you've got to be careful, you know. But anyway, we'll let that pass for right now. But you can live for a lot of things in this life. But Paul says, for me to live is Christ. That means I'm living because I want my body to magnify Christ, like a magnifying glass that makes it look bigger. I want Christ to use my body for His honor and for His glory. Therefore, in Romans in chapter 12 and verse 1, where he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, means in view of what God has done for you, that you present your bodies, this body that I have, that body that you have, as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your what? Reasonable service. It's reasonable. When you, re you, when you sit down and think about it, it makes sense. But you see, the devil wants to keep you so busy, doing so many things, that you never have time to think. You don't really see it. That's why he says over and over again in his word, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And as the scripture that was read this morning by Jay, they have ears to hear, but they hear not. It means they don't understand. So when he says that over and over again, it means you hear, but you don't understand. You have eyes to see, but you can't see it. So there's things God wants you to hear and to see, and he says that you don't because you're dull of hearing, and you can't see what God's talking about. But when you really stop and think it through, this is why this little word called meditating is such an important word. It's like the cow that eats the grass and then goes under the shade tree and lays down and brings it back and chews it again. It's chewing it over and over and over again. What God says, just chewing it, getting everything out of it that you can possibly get out of it. And it'll make a difference in your life. Marriage, of course, marriage is important. Marrying someone who wants to serve the Lord... Or if you decide not to marry, don't you think that's also a big decision? It's a big decision to get married. It's a big decision not to get married. Do you realize that if you don't get married, you also have problems? Because the Bible says that God created a woman to be a helpmeet to the man. It means that she can be there to help meet the needs of that man, help him to fulfill his dream and his vision, to be part of his life. A man needs that woman, that encouragement, 
to always know and to pray and encourage. All those things are so important. And a woman can give those things. But a man without a wife, it's a terrible thing sometimes to be alone. This is why those that have been married for years and if they lose their mate, it just devastates them because they've been married for so long. Now, there's also the other side of the coin. If you do get married, do you think it's important the kind of a person you marry? Think about it. Well, it really doesn't matter as long as she is good looking. Well, you might fall in love with the dimple, but you get the whole thing. And that pretty little face, you're going to get her bad attitude too. You're going to get her temper too. You get all of it. And you don't just get her, you get her mama. <laughs> Asked the man one time, are you married? He said, yes, I am. Do you have a wife? Well, I don't know. <laughs> now, there's a dumb man that gets a mother-in-law and doesn't even know if he has a wife. So, you see, you have the whole family that becomes part of your family. And so... Does it make a difference if, say you're a man and you want to go to Bible college, and your wife says, God may call you to be a preacher, but he hasn't said a word to me, and I'm not going. What are you going to do? And I've watched a lot of men grieve because they wanted to serve the Lord. They wanted to do something, but they married somebody who doesn't want to be part of that. It's like another world to them. And then you find yourself sometimes thinking, it doesn't matter what she really believes or what he really believes because we just love each other. Because today, the, it's not about doctrine, it's about just love. Well, if you really love, you've got to love according to doctrine. Because there's things God says to love and things God says not to love. So we're not to love everything. So every child of God got big decisions to make. And there's these guys that are always looking for this perfect wife. I had a guy tell me one time. He says, Preacher, I want you to pray that I can find just a perfect wife. I says, Why? He says, So I can marry her. I says, Wouldn't she be looking for the perfect husband? <laughs> Why should a perfect wife marry you? Are you perfect? Well, that, that, that's not what I mean. I says, Yes, it is. You want her to fit in every area exactly like you want them. I says, don't you know opposites attract and then attack? I mean, um, <laughs> you're supposed to grow in the Lord and learn together. God doesn't give you everything in advance, but it does help you when you know that wife of yours or that husband of yours is going in the right direction. They don't have to mean they have arrived, but you can see they're, they're walking with the Lord. Not promise, I promise you, honey, I'll walk with the Lord. I'll, I'll, I'll take you to church. Wait, is he going now? Well, I'm, he says he will. You drop him like a hot potato. It'll affect your whole life. You see, you've got to find somebody. And that's why this verse is so important. Look at there. In Genesis in chapter 2 and verse 20, up on the screen... For Adam, there was not found a helpmeet. It means God made everything, but for Adam, he made Adam. And lo and behold, he has to have a companion. 
I think it's just wonderful that God made a woman. Do you realize what this world would be like with just guys? Nah. But get this. The next verse says, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to come upon Adam. Some people, when they get married, they go into a deep sleep. Like this girl, she says to the guy, she says, I can't wait till we get married so I can help you carry all of your problems and your burdens and your heartaches. And he says, I don't have any of those. Well, we're not married yet. <laughs> but he calls him to sleep and he took one of his ribs. And Genesis 2.22 says, And the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. So who made the woman? God made the women. And he brought her to the man. So it is the will of God. And there's nothing wrong with a man getting married. But God didn't make the choice for you. Don't marry this little girl, this little angel. And later on you said, look what God did to me. God did not make you get married. That was your choice. And hopefully you can learn to live with your mistake, uh, with, with your marriage. Because you'll think down the road, boy, did I really mess up. Look, you go from where you are. And both of you need probably a lot of help. Learn to walk with God. Did you realize if a man and a woman both dedicated their life to the Lord, that they wanted God's best for each other, how much more easier it is in life? To go through life knowing that you've got somebody to walk with you and knows the way you really are and loves you for the way that you are. And you don't have to put on a, a, a face or, you know, impress. You, you, that's the way you My wife treats me like a king. Hey, boy. No. I treat her like a queen and she'd treat me like a king. And now we've been going on 54 years and I thank the Lord. God given me a good wife. But she's not a perfect wife because she married me. Because I'm not perfect. That would have been her first mistake. Her dad told her that she did. But anyway, <laughs> her, her dad got to where he liked me a little bit. But her mother, she's in heaven now. And she still doesn't. <laughs> she called me. She said, you hoodlum. You are a hoodlum. I didn't know at the time what that was. I thought it was a, you know, a compliment. I was at North, I was at Northside one day, and I came walking down, and there, there was these two girls sitting on the front. One was Gina King, and I and what I was walking down this island, and I came by there, and they said, "Yankee, I said, yeah, you are so autistic." I said, wow, thank you. Appreciate that. I had never heard the word before. I understand that now. I did not, and, and I'm, I'm making fun of I did not understand. And they, but they giggled. They giggled. They thought that was funny. I thought not. And then they explained to me what they said. So it was not a compliment. Did you know between husband and wife, you have to be careful of everything you say, even in jest? Because words are like arrows. Once they're in flight, you can't bring them back. And that's why we need to be so careful of everything that we say and everything that we do. 
I want to go on with this here because I got something I want you to see. If you don't serve the Lord, if you don't, you'll see nobody can make you do it. But if you do, God's going to bless you and you're going to be productive. But if you don't serve the Lord, you're not going to be productive. You see, in the book of John in chapter 8, it talks about bearing much fruit. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. You will not bring forth much fruit. You may have a little few little sprinkle here and there, but not the way God intended. So it is going to cost you something. The next statement, your greatest problem is that you don't realize that you have a problem. Do you know I believe, and I've been doing this for a while now, that a lot of people don't realize they have a problem. I've had to have other people sometimes make me aware of things that I say and do that I, I shouldn't have done. But I didn't know it at the time. So because now I'm old enough, I can say, hey, I'm senile. You know. <laughs> I did know that, but I don't forgot that. I've been taking these little memory pills, and the only problem with it is I, I keep forgetting to take them. And so, God counts it a great problem when his children will not serve him. Because you've got to understand, why don't you serve him? Why wouldn't you serve him? Is God's best good enough for you? It should be. If you don't serve the Lord, your decision may be based upon what somebody else is doing. See, we often talk about the kids in school and the peer pressure they're under because they're under such peer pressure to be like all the other kids. And that's why sometimes you don't want your kids to be around other kids that are doing wrong because, you know, they'll influence your kids. And yet as an adult, you do the same thing. If you're not faithful to church, you're not faithful to be around the kind of people that God wants you to be around. Did you know that Christians are supposed to influence other Christians? You're supposed to influence others. You and I are supposed to have an impact in other people's lives. We're supposed to know and love one another in such a way that if we had to, we could rebuke one another. But today, nobody wants to say anything that's going to cause anybody any you know, to be uncomfortable. Because we want everybody to like us. But a good friend who loves somebody, sometimes we have to say things that we don't want to say. Sometimes the preacher has to say things he doesn't want to say. You know, a lot of times I preach sermons that I don't want to preach. I teach things from God's Word. I really sometimes, I don't want to because I know this isn't going to be a good day. And I have to remember when number people leave the church, if three people... Say, preacher, that was the greatest sermon in the world. If I had 100 people, 97 never said a word. And if three people says that was the worst sermon I've ever heard, I still got to remember, 97 never said a word. But sometimes we think everybody feels that way. If somebody says anything against you or about you, everybody feels that way. No, that's what the devil... Look, two bullfrogs in a lake can make it sound like 100. So you just got to be careful. Your decision may be based on what somebody else around you, not really what is best for you. Don't make your decision based upon what somebody else says or does unless they're good godly people and you seek godly counseling. You want to do what God wants you to do. Number four there, when people are free to do as they please, they tend to intimidate, or I shouldn't say intimidate, imitate one another. In the book of Ephesians in chapter 5, the Bible talks about in verse 1, be imitators of God. Imitate God. You're his child. 
as a child, imitate God. Make sure you find out what direction the crowd is going before you join them. You want to be different. All those alligators that I saw, there wasn't a nickel worth of difference in them. Except some were bigger than the other. But they all did exactly the same thing. Nothing. If you want to be different in the Christian life, you're going to have to do something. I learned a long time ago that my future was going to be like my past unless I made a change. I had to decide, do I want to continue the way I am? Or do I want something better? Do I want something different? Did you know that serving the Lord will make you more different than anything else in the world? You can go ahead and try to love the world and gain the world and you'll be just like everybody else. I found out years ago, I could serve the Lord and I'll be totally different because I don't have much competition. Not many people want to do that. But I do believe that it's the most important thing that we could do. Here are five questions to ask yourself about serving the Lord. Do you really care? Do you really care about being dedicated? And then I thought this is a good little statement. Does it bother you when it doesn't bother you? If you're not serving the Lord, does that bother you? It ought to bother you if it doesn't bother you. When I don't do exactly like I'm supposed to do, it bothers me. And it would bother me if it didn't bother me. Does that bother you? Do I need to say it again? Or do you get my point? You get my drift a little bit? Every once in a while, my convictions leak out and you find out what I'm really thinking. The next statement, does fear of ridicule keep you from doing what you know you should do? You're afraid of what somebody's going to say, afraid of ridicule. You see, I had to make up my mind. Do I want God's approval? Do I want it more than I want people's approval? These are things you have to think about. The reasons why you should believe that God's best would be the thing that you want. Do you always wait for someone else to suggest what is right? Do you know what's right? You see, discernment is when you study the Word of God and you know what is right and what is wrong based upon what God says. That's what gives you discernment. You can make your decisions based upon what you know about God. Otherwise, you're going to have to depend upon what somebody else says. Sometimes I have people call me up and say, Yankee, what do you think I ought to do? I said, I think you ought to make the decision. Sometimes I don't want to tell a person what to do. Because then they do what I do and not necessarily what God does. I want to give them some things to think about so that you can come to the conclusion yourself. I don't want to think for you. I am not your Holy Spirit. You have a Holy Spirit. I want you to seek the will of God because if I am doing anything right, it's that I want you to do exactly, exactly what you believe God wants you to do whatever that might be. The next statement. Has anyone ever asked you why you serve the Lord so much? Say, no, nobody's ever asked me that. Duh. (laughs) There might be a reason why you do live the way you do. And it should make some kind of an impact on somebody's life. Somebody ought to know, hey, you know, there's something different about that person. You see, all these things doesn't prove you're saved, but once you trust trusted Christ as Savior, is it the will of God for His children to serve Him? Yes. Do you think more about what you can do or more about what you can get out of? 
I've asked people sometimes, I say, look, we need help doing this, 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 and this, and this, and this. And sometimes I have people say, well, my plate's already full. I, I never heard that until about 10 years ago. My, my plate's full. I said, what? I said, what do you mean your plate's full? I mean, I, 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 in other words, I don't have any more time to do anything else. I said, but what are you doing? Well, I, I'm, I just, I, I'm just, you know, I, my plate's full. What's on your plate? I thought, I got it. If that's okay, I got a full plate. I'd like to give something that's on my plate to somebody else to help. <laughs> but what are you doing for the Lord? Are you busy doing things for the Lord? Do you live for the Lord? That's so important. How do I dedicate my life to serve the Lord? First step is dedicating your life is to realize that it's time to grow up. Have you ever seen kids that never seem like they're growing up? I've seen adults that haven't grown up. They never assume spiritual responsibilities. See, you can accept adult responsibilities where you might go to work, you make your money, you pay your bills, you feed the family. That's great. But spiritually, are you doing anything? Do you go to work spiritually? And do you give spiritually? Do you feed spiritually? Had you grown up? Are you still a child? You see, a child is somebody that just falls apart in the flesh. Whereas there's among you, you are carnally minded. It means you mind the flesh. It's always your way, your will, your emotions. It's all about you. And most people never think about other people and how they can affect other people's lives. This is why this statement is so important. See there in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15. We read it just a moment ago. But speaking the truth in love. Speaking truth in love. Now where do you think you're going to learn truth? That's the reason God established the church. Which is the pillar of truth. You're to come to learn the Word of God so you can know what the truth is, so that you'll know how to speak, but not just to speak. Maturing in the Lord is not just learning and having knowledge. Wisdom is knowing how to apply knowledge to experiences in life. That's what makes a person a wise person. You're not wise because you know what to do. You're wise if you do it. So therefore, it is the will of God that you speak the truth in love, may grow up. And if you don't learn how to speak the truth in love, you can't grow up. Can't you see that? Did I write that verse? That's the word of God. And this is what God wants his children to do. So, make an agreement between you and the Lord. I did this years ago. But the Bible also says in the book of Ecclesiastes, it's better not to make a vow than to make a vow and not keep the vow. I keep remembering, I made a vow to God. And I know that God says, don't you make a vow and then break it. I decided I'm going to keep my vow. I promised God, Lord, if you'll reveal to me your will, I'll do it. You tell me what to do, where do you want me to go? I am not going to argue with God. I'm not going to fight with God. I will do whatever you want me to do with my life. Because I believe that God's best is good enough for me. And I hope it is for you. Make an agreement with the Lord that as He shows you what to do, you will do it. 
Romans 6.13 says, But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead. So I wrote this little statement in there. I hope you appreciate it. You are alive unto God and dead to the world, or you are dead to God and alive to the world. Don't that make sense? You're either dead or alive. You're either dead to the world or you're dead to God. And you've got to make up your mind. I want to be alive unto God. I've been raised, crucified with Christ. In the life that I live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And he says, know ye not to whom you yield. You're the one that decides who you live or yield to. Follow the clear instructions that God has given you. Philippians chapter 3 says, Nevertheless, walk according to that which you have already attained. In other words, what you already know that is right, obey that truth. Don't worry about what you don't know. Take all that you do know and obey it. You see, some people are wanting God to give them additional light when they don't obey the light they already have. And they wonder why they do not grow. Decide, is God's approval enough for you? Is God's approval enough for you? You make a vow. With the Lord, tell him that you're going to serve him. That's the decision that you make. And if a man, it says in 2 Timothy, therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet or fit for the master's use, and prepared. You see, those are the things that are the results of your making the right decision. But you see, you can't get to go to heaven and enjoy all the wonders of heaven if you don't, first of all, trust Christ. You're not going to yield your body as an instrument that God can use if you don't study to show yourself approved and you make the decision, I want God's best for my life. And if that's what you want, that's what you should do. And the last statement that I have here, because we're going to have communion this morning, let your heart's desire during today's communion service be that I am going to serve the Lord. I know Christ is my Savior. I know that I'm going to heaven when I die. And I want to serve the Lord and have God's best for me. Look up here just a moment. This hand right here, let it represent you and me. The wallet represents all of our sins. We all have sin upon us. And God says, since we have all sinned, well, we're all condemned to an eternity separated from God. But God loves us and wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, you have to be perfect as righteous as God. And none of us are perfect. None of us are righteous. We've all come short of God's perfection. And because of sin, we can't get in. So God says, you cannot save yourself. But we can be saved, but we can't save ourselves. We can't even help save ourselves. So this hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. He came into the world because He loves us. And because He loves His Father. He says that the world may know that I love my Father. Even so I do. I'm doing what I do because I want the world to know I love my Father. So world, listen up. This is what he did so that you would know that Jesus Christ loved the Father. And that the Father, that God, he loved us. So he sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world. He had no sin, didn't have to die. But all of our sins, see, we separate ourselves from God. 
So Christ, if he does anything for anybody, he has to do it for all of us. He took all the sin of all the world, paid for it on the cross. Came back from the dead and said that if you and I, if we would believe he did it for us, he would put this to payment to our account and we go to heaven. So I trusted Christ as my Savior. I know I have eternal life. I know that I'm going to heaven when I die. See, I can't go to hell today. And I can't go to hell tomorrow. And I can't go next year. Because, see, I don't have any sins to pay for. Christ paid for all of my sin. Not some of them. Not most of them. Not all of them, but one. No, he paid for all of them. Because if he didn't, he didn't help me out at all. So he paid for all of my sins. That's why I can say, I know I'm going to heaven because I don't have any sins to pay for. It has nothing to do with what I've done since I've trusted Christ as my Savior. You don't earn it, you can't work for it, and you can't buy it, you can't lose it once you have it. Best news in all the world. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. If you're here this morning, and if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, that's the most important decision you will ever make in your life, is to trust the Lord. That's what saves you from hell. That's what gives you eternal life. That makes you a child of God. That gets you into heaven. And so if you've never done so, and you'll do it right now, or if you're watching by internet this morning, just make that decision. It's all you have to do. It's all God requires. Will you believe that when he died, he died for you. He paid for your sins. And if you're making that decision, I'd like to know it. I'd like to have prayer for you. And I'm going to ask you in just a moment to raise your hand. Raising your hand does not save you. It just lets me know that I, what I said made sense to you. And I'd like to know it so I can include you in prayer today. So is there anyone at all before we close? Say, yes, pray for me. I'll trust Christ as my Savior this morning. Would you just slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? Anyone at all? If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, the next most important decision you could ever make is will you decide, I will serve the Lord. I made that decision. I want you to make that decision. I can't make it for you. I can desire it for you. God may want you to do it. But sometimes God's children defy the will of God. Don't be one of those. Do you believe that God's best is enough for you? If you believe that. Would you determine this morning, I'm going to serve the Lord with my life. I'm going to dedicate my life to Him. And God will bless you for doing so. Our Father, we thank you so much for all that you've done for us. Thank you for your word that you've given us. And we pray, Lord, for those that are watching by internet and those that are here. That as your children, we know that once we have eternal life and we know we're going to heaven, it's your will for us to come to your table. That's why it's called the, the Lord's Supper. It's a divine command. It's what you want your children to do, to examine themselves. And we pray, Lord, that each person here, we know that you're not looking for the perfect individuals here, but just those who know you and love you and realize the direction that they're going. And Father, we pray that they would look to you and believe you and, and seek to honor and to serve you. We ask your blessings now upon each one in Christ's name. Amen.